right. <clears throat> that in the industry is what we call a stall tactic. Uh, when you can't remember where the verse is and you're going to lead off with it and, uh, and you're sitting there struggling to try to find it, uh, that's called a stall tactic. <laughs> I'm just going to be transparent with you tonight. I mean, you know, praise the Lord. Uh, we're here, uh, we're at our evening service. Normally we're here and we're talking about the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, but we're not, well, not tonight. Uh, I am going to change, uh, based on what the Lord is giving me tonight, uh, I'm going to change the sermon, change the lesson. So, uh, I learned very early on, uh, in the ministry that, uh, when the Lord impresses upon you a certain subject matter, uh, do not say, nah, I'll get it some other time. Uh, it doesn't work that way. Uh, because you know, you get in there and you're like, well, I'll do it some other time. And then you get up the message that you prepared and it just lays there like a rotten fish. You know, and it just stinks. <laughs> and you're like wondering what happened. And the Lord's like, well, that's not the sermon I had for him. And you're like, well, I guess I goofed. So um, uh, I want to start this uh, this evening by turning to the book of Proverbs. Uh, and I want to go to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. And uh, we're going to take a look at a couple of passages. We're going to look at three passages. Uh, I'm going to explain why these three passages are important, uh, kind of how they link together. Uh, and then we're going to take a look at what the Lord says about this. So let's go ahead and take a look at Proverbs chapter 15, and I'd like us to take a look at verse 23. It says, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good is it? Notice there's an exclamation point at the end of that. So you're supposed to say it within some emphasis, right? It's a good thing when it's something is spoken when it's supposed to be spoken. Now, again, that takes preparation. That takes a yielded heart willing to listen to the Holy Spirit, okay? But we see here very clearly he's talking about joy. When we don't say what we're supposed to say, we miss out on the joy that God gives us. Just keep that in mind. Jump down to verse 28 here in the same chapter. It says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. And again, this is a study idea. And so we're going to do a little bit of a study tonight. We're going to ask a couple of questions. We're going to take a look at a couple of things from Scripture. Uh, this might be shorter than normal. You guys might get out early. You might not. I don't know. Uh, you know, this is, again, this is all of the Lord, and it's in the Lord's timing and the Lord's hands, okay? Let's turn over to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, and here in verse 13, he says this. says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. Now, I mean, these things are very apparent. We look at that and we kind of realize that the world even understands that. And what this is talking about is it's talking about something that I think a lot of people don't do. And it's preparation. It's preparation. In each one of these situations, in the response that is being had here, uh, this is about preparation. This is about how in the world somebody is going to respond. This is about uh, uh, responding the correct way, responding the right way. And sometimes I dare say that when we when we look at things in Scripture and when we look at how the Lord uh, speaks to us and how the Lord is teaching us, uh, we, we, we fail to understand that concept 
that the Lord has to be involved in what we do with our hearts. First and foremost, the Lord is the one that is going to be working in our hearts to prepare it. Now, the the scripture says over there in Psalm chapter 51 that he is near to them that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. This is what he wants. And that brokenness is part of how we have that preparation of the Lord. He will go and he will actually break. And, and if you go in Psalm chapter 51, you'll actually see that he, it says there, uh, talking about uh, him being broken by the Lord. It's the Lord that was the one that was breaking him down. It was the Lord that was the one that was working in David's heart to repent of the sin that he was had committed. But as we go through and we see more and more of this, I, I want to talk about that preparation of heart. I think this is an important subject matter. So we're going to set Ecclesiastes aside just for tonight, okay? We're going to set aside chapter 6. I know I kind of left you somewhat in the cliffhanger, but we'll come back to it, okay? This is something that I think is important for everybody. You know, here we are in, in our day-to-day life, and many times we don't get prepared for what comes our way. Sometimes things are just sprung on us. And, and I will tell you this, that involves a lot of trust in the Lord to deal with the surprises of life, right? Every single time you're sitting there and something comes up in your life, the Lord is is working in us to build trust in him. Not in ourselves. Why? Because we can't even begin to predict the future. We can't even get close to it. But the Lord has something that he wants us to do. He still wants us to prepare. So there's obviously a trust in the Lord that we're supposed to have on a day-to-day things. And as the book of James talks about, well, if it's his will, then we'll do that on such and such day. And we'll do it, you know, in such and such city and so on and so forth, if the Lord is willing it. That's why Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray. He said, thy will be done in the Lord's prayer, right? Thy will be done. Not my will. Excuse me, that's often how we pray. My will be done. But the Lord is asking us to pray specifically with the heart of his will be done. His will, not ours, his will. And we're going to take a look at that tonight. But let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer when we got started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for this time and opportunity that you've given us. And Lord, uh, uh, there's a lot of trust that uh, that is placed in you on a day-to-day basis. And Lord, I just trust tonight that as we look to your word and as we look to scripture, that this is something, Lord, that you clearly want us to learn. Lord, your, your scripture has all the answers. Uh, your scripture is a great book that teaches and Lord, we've got an excellent teacher in the Holy Spirit. And I pray that tonight, Lord, we'd be receptive to it. That Lord, in uh, just this brief moment that we've had to maybe prepare a little bit for what this message is, that Lord, we would truly trust you. That uh, as we look to this, that uh, as our hearts may have been prepared for Ecclesiastes, may have been prepared... To, to see those things that Solomon wrote, Lord, I just pray that our heart would be prepared to receive whatever it is you have for us, regardless of where it comes from in the word. And Lord, again, I just thank you for this time. I thank you again for those that are here. And Lord, I pray that this time just glorifies and honors you. Above all that's said and done, Lord, I just pray that, you, that your name be praised, that uh, your word be lifted up, that uh, Lord, um, who you are, your glory and power is the prominent uh, um, uh, position in our life, 
that, Lord, we would seek you. And, Lord, again, I just thank you for all that you've done for us. I thank you for this time that you've given to us. And I pray, Lord, we would use it and redeem it wisely for you. I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever gone and had something that you were going to plan to do, and you sat down and you prepared it? You prepared for it. Uh, Maybe it was a trip. Maybe it was uh, a purchase. Maybe it was uh, something that you had been working on in your life, whatever it may be. Uh, There was a preparation that came about. You know, we spend a lot of our years uh, of our youth in preparation, if you think about it. Uh, from the moment we're born until the moment we are out on our own, we are preparing ourselves to to be dependent upon God. Not independent. And I always want to make sure I, I, I make that clear. Uh, you know, again, it's not to teach independence, it's to teach dependence on the Lord. Uh, Adam and Eve were dependent upon God in the garden. I mean, just think about it. If the mist didn't come and the garden didn't grow, they would have died. But God kept them. God preserved them. God gave them a perfect world. And it was just operating totally fine until Adam introduced sin. And that's a big thing. Because, again, I don't think he was prepared for the consequences. He wasn't prepared for that. When we start thinking about that, we often don't try to prepare for the consequences. We just sometimes just, you know, go into things, uh, um, and, and sometimes it, it's kind of, uh, well, whatever may be, may be, right? A laissez-faire mentality. But I, I know this is that the Lord is the one that works in our hearts. I want you to turn back over to the book of Proverbs. And I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 16. Now, we took a look at all these things and these individuals that have to answer. And they're answering a certain way. They're answering and responding in a certain way. You know, again, before a person responds, he needs to hear the whole matter. I mean, how many times have we heard a partial and then we leapt to a conclusion? And then when we leapt to the conclusion, we were like, whoa, I just leapt off a cliff. <laughs> we didn't realize that that wasn't the conclusion we were supposed to leap to. And we, we, we make errors in judgment that way. Because again, we don't listen to the whole matter. You know, again, somebody that wants to prepare their heart and, and have that joy of the Holy Spirit that is the fruit, uh, again, we have to prepare the words of our mouth. What we say, cause it comes out. I mean, not, not with, you know, t- this isn't time for testimony, so you can keep your hands down, but if you feel so led to, you know, you know, praise the Lord in this, uh, how many of us don't actually think about what we say before we say it? <laughs> I mean, let's just think about that for a second. Things come out of our mouth, and then we're just sitting there going, oh, did that just come out? And the people around us are standing there in horror. And 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 we don't get that preparation. But again, we looked at that about that answer, and that was a person that had a prepared heart. In all these situations that I read over there in Proverbs chapter 15 and Proverbs chapter 18, those answers were because of a preparedness that occurred. They actually studied, as it was, to search out that matter. And when they searched out that matter, they wanted to know exactly how to answer. Now, again, just to reference Ecclesiastes, because I don't want to leave that kind of halfway undone. Over there in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, studiness is weary to the flesh, right? 
Turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes, just real quick. We have to turn there because that's what was intended for tonight, and we're just going to look at it real quick. Ecclesiastes, and uh, let's go over there to, oh, let's see here. Um, Oh, whoops, I wrote down the wrong reference. That's what happens when you do that. Where's that one where it says that uh, studiness is weariness to the flesh? Oh, no. That's what I was looking at. I wrote down the wrong chapter. 12-12. Thank you very much. Should have known it was 12-12. Uh, right there it says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 12, And further by these my son be admonished of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. You know, if you, if you put a lot of study into something, your flesh is going to be weary. When you study out scriptures... I will tell you this, after you study about three or four hours, you just felt like you ran a marathon. You're exhausted. You, you, you go, you get some food, and after, after that, you come back and you, you're going to rest for a moment, and you think, well, I'm just going to sit here and close my eyes, and boom, you're gone. It's an exhausting thing. Why? Because, again, it, it, it is a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual exercise. When you exercise physically, do you not get tired? If you don't, praise God. Tell me your secret. But, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm doing all this new physical therapy stuff for my back. And, and uh, you know, after the end of it, after the end of the session, I'm done like 20 minutes. I'm laying on the floor and I'm sitting there thinking, this is so comfortable. I don't want to get up. <laughs> and it's like not that intense of a workout. It's just I'm sitting there going, but but it's it's working on areas that are hurt. It's areas that are painful. And that wears you out. It really hurts. And pain will wear you out. The studyingness will wear you out. But it's something that has to be done in order to prepare our hearts. But in Proverbs chapter 16, let's go back over there. Proverbs 16. I know I kind of derailed off of that, that, that track here for a moment. But Proverbs chapter 16. And in verse 1, it says, The preparations of the heart in man. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue. And I want to stop right there. And before we read too much further, and I know you already have, so don't worry about it. You're not going to get reprimanded. But I want you to think about this for a second. He just named two things about our life. He said that, number one, there's a preparation in our heart. You know what this verse is telling me? Our hearts must be prepared. Uh, he, He wasn't saying if... He's saying, duh. I mean, all those little words, those articles, those little prepositions, all of those things, they mean something in Scripture. And right there, he he means it when he says, the preparations of the heart in man. He doesn't say, when a man is prepared. No, doesn't say that. Doesn't say, if a man decides to do something and he prepares. No, it says, the preparations. Meaning that regardless of what we think in our day-to-day life, we are preparing our hearts. You know, we're preparing our hearts with everything that we allow to influence us, right? What we allow to affect us. This is why why why, why Jesus Christ made it clear that he said the, the treasures in heaven are what should be affecting us. The riches of God should affect us. Nothing else. Nothing else in this life should affect us. Now, look, I know stuff does, and I'm talking about in a negative sense. I'm talking about in a sinful sense. 
This morning I mentioned that, you know, part of uh, where it says over there in the book of James about pure religion, it says to be unspotted from the world. That takes preparation, doesn't it? It's a, it, it's an exercise that we go through. And we go over to the book of, uh, uh, um, book of Hebrews and he talks about those people that are exercising. And what are they doing? They're exercising their senses to discern, meaning that they're working in their lives to figure out how to discern the difference between what is right and what is almost right. And again, that's, uh, th- that is a key important thing. That's something that Charles Spurgeon talked about. He said, you know, this, this idea of, of discernment isn't about knowing the difference between what is right and what is wrong. It's knowing the difference between what is right and what is almost right. It's 99.9% right, but there's like that 0.01% that might be wrong. Now, look, we, we operate in this life with a lot of uncertainty. So we try to approach a spiritual thing with some uncertainty. But if we're going to approach the Lord and have him work in our life, let me be very clear here with this. That means that we as Christians need to trust him 100%, not 99%, not 50%, not 10%, 100% trusting the Lord like Abraham, like Moses, like those that are found of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. They are exercising. They were exercising their senses so that they would know the right judgment. You know what that means? That means that's a lot of preparation that has to come into place. There's a lot of preparation. So here we are looking at uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. It says, the preparation of the heart in man and the answer from the tongue. Meaning that, again, we're going back to that answer. So those three things that we saw over there about answers, he's getting very specific here. That answer, knowing how to answer somebody... Knowing the right way to say something, knowing the wrong way to say something, and avoiding it like the plague. All of those things we see here very clearly that, that it says right there in the last phrase is from the Lord. If you're a person that underlines in their Bible or you highlight, you need to, you need to do that. It, it, it's, it's underlined right here in mine. And, and interestingly enough, it was the actual printer of this Bible that underlined it, <laughs> not me. It's underlined right there, and it says it is from the Lord. So your preparation of your heart and knowing how to answer, those things are coming from God. So if God is concerning with what we say, that that needs to be, if you will, of from him, then we need to take a look at that hard, take a hard look at that very first part where he's talking about the preparation of the heart. And that preparation of the heart, it has to be from God. If we're going to want to receive something from the Lord, if we're going to want to receive some truth, if we're going to sit down and read our Bibles, if we're going to sit down and pray, if we're going to come to church, if we're going to fellowship, if we're going to enter into anything in this life, I don't care what it is, your heart has to be prepared. Your heart has to be prepared. I mean, there's things that everybody does. You go take a look at, 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 at sports figures and look at all the things that they do before they go to a game. Before they go to a game. I mean, how many NFL guys go out there and they've got their certain rituals that they do? 
Or they've got their certain things that they think will be bring them bad juju if they, you know, don't do it the right way or something of that nature. I want to talk about superstition. And then they go out there and then they boast on themselves. I'm like, okay, that irritates me. There are a few that will give God the glory. Praise the Lord for that. Few and far between. But I will say this. They prepare themselves. They train. They're actively engaged. You know, uh, I've told you I I enjoy that uh, uh, the sport of rally racing and world uh, rally cross. And I tell you, these guys, the preparations that they go through, I mean, they will sit in simulators for for hours at a time. They will have, when it's the two-person racers and you've got the guy sitting next to you calling out each turn, each straightaway, what speed you're supposed to have, all of these things. That guy's got to be prepared, meaning he's got to be sitting there rattling off those things before they get there. If he tells you to turn right three seconds after he was supposed to turn right, like your GPS does, then yeah, that's a problem. That's not the way to navigate. But that navigator sitting in that, uh, that second seat, he is there and he's saying uh, 300 yards right, 400 yards left, uh, you know, shift to third. You know, all of these things he's going through, just describing exactly how this guy's supposed to drive the car. And he's walking through. Why? Because he's prepared himself. They've driven the road before. They know what lays ahead. They know how to drive it. They know the capability of their cars. They've all prepared. They've prepared. So when we're entering into this life and we're doing anything, then we find that the preparation has to be from God. This is Solomon writing truth and wisdom here. The preparations of the heart of man is from the Lord. Turn over to another passage. Pass, uh, um, turn over to chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 31 says the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Anybody that studied any type of tactics or anything of that nature knows that, you know, there is what they, what the, the world refers to as a lot of luck involved in, in, in combat and battle. I don't think it's luck. Uh, luck is some stupid god that somebody decided to make up and worship one day. Um, no, it's not luck. I think the Lord controls and the Lord is is sovereign in that matter. But I will make it very, very clear here. That doesn't mean that you just go enter into that preparation or into that battle unprepared. The horse is prepared. What does that mean? You want to know how loud a battlefield is? It's loud. It's not this peaceful, quiet little thing. No, you've got all sorts of things. And it's even louder today because we've got all sorts of bombs going off and all sorts of bullets and stuff like that. Beforehand, you know what they had? They had metal clanging against metal, horse bodies against horse bodies, human bodies against human bodies, the sound of swords into flesh. And you're like, this is disgusting. Yeah. People, men and women screaming, all sorts of stuff going on. It wasn't a quiet, peaceful day at the park. It was very much loud. And if you've ever been around horses, horses generally don't like a lot of loud noises. So what do you have to do? You gotta prepare the horse. You gotta make sure it's not gonna spook in battle. You gotta make sure that it's willing to charge headlong into the artillery or into the infantry 
so that you can do what you're supposed to do. You got to prepare even that horse. Notice he didn't say soldier. He's talking about the horse. The means of transportation to get there and to engage in the battle, even that has to be prepared. And as we look at this, we begin to realize that God wants us to prepare. God wants us to have this idea of working, him working in our hearts. I want to turn to one of the, uh, uh, one of the greatest examples before I get to two here. I want you to turn over to the book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. <clears throat> Ezra and Nehemiah go hand in hand. Uh, they're both great books. They're contemporaries of the day. <clears throat> so if you get, if you read one, you kind of got to read the other. But in uh, Ezra chapter seven, I want you to see something that is about this man. In Ezra chapter seven. Now I preached a message on this before, but, but I want to refresh this into our minds. And, and, and what we do here and what we look on this is that, uh, um, in verse 10 of Ezra chapter seven, it says, for Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach Israel statutes and judgments. Notice there was three things that he did there. First thing he did is he prepared himself regarding the seeking of the law of the Lord. He studied it. He studied it. Well, what was the purpose of studying it? To do it. And once he did it, he taught it. Again, there's a little three-point sermon outline for you. Think about this for a second. This is what he did. But what did he do first? He prepared his heart. That preparation of the Lord, as we saw over there, uh, uh, of the heart is of the Lord. And we see that over there in, in Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 16. You know what that means? That means that, that Ezra was willing to listen to what, the, what, what God had to say to him. He was willing to listen to the conviction. He was li- willing to listen to the edification. He was willing to listen to that. You know, in this day and age, we go to, uh, you know, there there are a lot of churches that are out there and a lot of the contemporary churches, you know what they do? They go out there and they want to give you uh, an uplifting message. This morning's message was really heavy, okay? But it was necessary for us to sit there and think about the anguish of our Lord. For me, it's necessary to realize that. But what we find here is we find that, 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 that this has to happen, that we're preparing ourselves to receive whatever God has from us. But sometimes those pastors, they don't, they're afraid. Well, if I preach a, some sort of, a, you know, a sermon that may be convicting, I may, I, that person may not come back because they may not like what I told them about sin. And? <laughs> Not your job to do that. You follow the Holy Spirit and His leading. And if He tells you to preach on sin, then He's telling you to preach on sin. But I dare say that the Holy Spirit probably hasn't talked to them in a while. If they're all only preaching about, you know, things of uplifting social gospel. But what we find today in churches is we don't find people that are willing to receive conviction. Why? Because they haven't prepared their heart for it. You know, if you sit down to the Word of God, and look, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something about what you do on a you need to do on a day to day basis. First and foremost, I'm gonna say it just like everyone else has said it, and I'm gonna repeat it till the day I die. You need to be reading your Bible, okay? 
It, it just, without a shadow of a doubt, that is one of the most important things that you need to do on a daily basis. Okay? Now, look, notice I didn't say you need to read a chapter a day, you need to read through the Bible in a year, you need to do all that. If you do that, hey, praise the Lord for it, you go at your own pace. I have a hard time doing that. Why is that? Because I'll read one verse and then I get convicted. (laughs) And I'll be sitting there and I'll be meditating on it and then I'll get edified by it and then I'll get convicted another way and then I'll get edified about it some more. And the Lord's working in my heart. What is he doing? He's preparing. Because when I enter into that reading of the scriptures on a day-to-day basis, I ask the Lord to prepare my heart. I don't care if it's convicting. I don't care if it's edifying. I don't care if it's a bunch of names that I can't even pronounce because nobody pronounces them anymore. Doesn't matter. I am still seeking the Lord to speak to me and the Lord to teach me. And look, when you get to the names, I want you to think about this. Is your name in the Bible? Probably not. You know what that means? These are people that the Lord saw fit to record their name for one reason or another. Jezebel's name is in there. Uh, her name is recorded as a warning. <laughs> Ahab, her husband, too. But then you have David, a man after God's own heart. You have Peter, all his faults, still serving the Lord. John, the beloved disciple. Paul. I mean, come on. All these guys are recording scripture, and then you got some guys that are just, you know, casually mentioned. Some guy in a pit with, you know, lentils, and he defends it and kills, you know, you know, X number of people. And the Lord saw fit to remember him. The Lord saw fit to remember a woman that, 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 uh, uh, broke something of value to sacrifice to the Lord. Brokenness. And her name was put down for a memorial, is what it says. Now we begin to think about that just for a moment here and we begin to realize that the, the Lord is, is doing that. So when we come to the Lord, we are seeking him. Are we preparing our hearts to seek? We're preparing our hearts to seek. We have to think about it. Look, if you're just opening your Bible and you're going, oh, okay, all right, where was I? Okay, all right, got to get to work. No, you're not preparing your heart to seek. You need to read so you get something out of it. Look, I I like to read. I I like to read. I I read all sorts of stuff. I read stuff that I probably shouldn't read. (laughs) There's things, you know, about some of this uh, new stuff. I I probably shouldn't read some of it. It gets me worked up into a little bit of a fervor. So I have to be careful about how much of that is input in there. But I, I like to read books. I got a, I got a stack of books that I got to get through. Um, you know, one of these days when I take a day off, I guess I'm going to have to read a couple of books at that time. But I, I, I'll be just very honest with you. I, I love to read and I love to, 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 to receive things. But when I read that, that, that's got to be engaging. I got to receive something from it. Because if it, if in the first three pages, that book doesn't do anything for me, guess what? That book goes on the shelf and it doesn't get read. It doesn't get read. But I'll tell you this, I cannot get into the Word of God and get past a few verses before the Lord, you know, just sits there and says, you see that? Preparation. Are we prepared to seek the Lord? 
He doesn't just casually enter it. He, and what else does he do? He, he prepares his heart to do it. You know what that means? He's not looking for the opportunity to fall upon him. In coincidence. Now, I've told you this time and time again, I do not believe in the word coincidence. I just really don't. I believe that what he's doing here is he's looking for every opportunity to fulfill what God tells him to do. Every opportunity. Lord, how often can I give you thanksgiving? Lord, how often can I give you praise? Lord, how often can I, can, can I, can I just begin to, to meditate on your goodness and your greatness and your mercy? Uh, Lord, how, how many times do I have opportunity to do that which is right? Because if I don't, it's sin. How many times, Lord, do I have an opportunity to tell somebody about the, the gospel? How many times do I have an opportunity to demonstrate your love in my life? I mean, how many times do I have, Lord, to serve you and to serve those that you love, the body of Christ? We're talking about some serious things here. And Ezra, you know what he did? When he went in and he was going to go and he was going to talk to these people, he had to get some things right first. He prepared himself for it. I'm pretty sure this wasn't just like a two-minute preparation, okay? This probably wasn't on the fly. This was not extemporaneous preaching. This wasn't something that he's just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just, you know, wing it today. It wasn't that. It was the Lord had prepared him. The Lord was working in his heart. And he began to seek that opportunity to do the will of the Lord. Now look, you're never going to know what the, the, you know, how to do that unless you know what the will of the Lord is, which means you got to study to seek it. You see how this starts cascading? And then when you get to a point of where you can teach somebody and you can show somebody or you can counsel somebody or you can advise somebody or you can do anything of that nature, which by the way, remember, we are all called as Christians to teach. Not just a select few, but all of us to teach each other. I just want to make it clear. We can't do that if we're not doing it in the first place and we haven't studied it. So when we begin to look at this here, we begin to see this pattern developing. And I, and I, I want to say this, because sometimes when we're going through some difficult things in our life, we have to take some serious, serious looks at it. And I want to just give you some counsel. I want to show you a couple of things from Scripture. I want you to turn to the book of Genesis. We're going to take a look at these two individuals. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. So, backstory, we've got Abraham here. Abraham was promised that he would be the father of a great nation. And that nation was Israel. He was given these promises. He said, go to this, the Lord told him, go to this land. And he told him, you're going to have a son. He's old. He's 100 years old. Sarah's 90, I believe. That's old. That's aged. We think about that for a minute. We're like, okay, I understand that they were living longer, but they weren't living that long back then. They might have been a little bit longer than us, but not. This wasn't Methuselah, nine hundred sixty-nine years old. So it wasn't Noah, six hundred years old. 
This was, this was a little less than that. Here, here's Abraham, and, and he's been given a son by the name of Isaac. And he's rejoicing in the Lord that he has it. And then God says, I want you to do something. In chapter 22, verse 1, it says, And came to pass after these things that God did to tempt Abraham. Now again, this isn't tempting to sin, okay? I want us to understand that this is a test. you got to understand what that word means. And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of thee. Now we've all heard this as kids in Sunday school, and some of us probably were stricken in terror. Especially if the Sunday school teacher said, You realize that's always an option with your parents. <laughs> and they're all sitting there like, what? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not, okay? The Lord was asking something to see the faith of Abraham. He wanted to prove. And I tell you, it really proved. Abraham did what God was telling him to do, but God wouldn't let him go through with it. But you know what Abraham's mindset was? Abraham's mindset was this, as it says over there in the book of Hebrews, he knew that if his son was offered, that the Lord would raise him up again. I want you to think about that for a second. This isn't like, oh, you know, quick, perform CPR. No, 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 no. It isn't like clear and shock him. It's not that. A burnt offering. I want you to grasp that concept. The Abraham trusted the Lord and had faith in what God had told him about the promise through Isaac that he knew that even if he did that, the Lord would just raise him right back up again, right out of the ashes. He had that, he had that kind of faith. In, in, in here in verse three, I want you to see some things. It says, Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took his two young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which the Lord God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Abraham had three days to think about this. The Lord had three days to prepare Abraham's heart. I dare say when we start looking at the things that God is working in our life, that sometimes we need to make sure that we pause. And even if that means that we pause for three days while we meditate and we pray over it and we think about it. I mean, yeah, he's walking along that way and he's going that direction. Man, I tell you, if you work in the three-day preparation parameters the impulsiveness of our lives will go from, you know, this to that. Three days. Three days. What if it takes three days for somebody to answer? Then it's three days. What if it's three days for you to, 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 to really, truly think about this is what God wants me to do in my life? Three days. See, we, we, we live in this instant society. If I want to know something, all I have to do is grab my phone and look it up. I don't even have to type it anymore. I just have to talk to it. I don't talk to my phone. 
unless I'm talking to somebody on the phone. I don't know. It's just a weird thing with me. I just type it in. Maybe it's because that's all I do all day long. But look, I mean, isn't it an instant? I mean, we can find it in a pretty quick second. I mean, after, for a while there, wasn't Google putting up there how quickly the responses came back? You go into a Google search and it used to pop up how quickly that response came back. And I'm sitting there amazed and I'm looking at like there's 17 pages of answers, right? And it came back in point zero, 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 five seconds. You're like, good grief. But what happens if it takes three days? You realize it took three days for the disciples to get an answer about what was going to happen with the resurrection? Could you imagine sitting there for three days not knowing? That, 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 that implies a lot of trust. A lot of trust. There's a lot of trust here with Abraham. You know, at any moment in time, he could have just said, I'm not doing this. And turn and walk the other way. But the Lord prepared his heart for three days. Three days. So when we talk about the preparation of the Lord, we see very clearly he's talking about in three days. I want you to go over to another passage. Go over to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts. Again, we take a look at Acts chapter 9. Here we are. We have uh, Paul on his way uh, to Damascus hunting Christians. And here he is storming off. And he's going to go out and he's going to find them. He's going to bring them back. He's going to try them. He's going to have some of them executed. He's going to throw some of them in prison. Um, Paul, as Saul, was not a nice guy. Generally all around as he called himself the chiefest of sinners. Right? I want you to think about this. Here, here he is. He meets the Lord on the road to Damascus, right? An amazing thing. Amazing thing happens. The Lord's got a lot to say about what happens here, but I want you to go down a little bit further here in verse 6. So so the, the people that he's traveling with, they have no idea what's going on. And here he is meeting his Savior on the road to Damascus in a very miraculous conversion. Because that's what it took for this stubborn old Jew to get it through his head. Because obviously he was a little bit rejecting it in the first part. But in verse 6 it says, And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Have you ever asked the Lord, what will you have me to do? Don't we want an immediate response? Don't we want to say, Lord, what will thou have me to do in Jesus' name? I pray, amen, look up, and there it is in the sky. And we're like, oh, it was that simple. If that's ever happened to you, okay, that's just weird. <laughs> but, again, I'm not discounting, discounting the Lord. The Lord's done some stuff that I look at and I go, that's pretty odd. But that's the Lord, all right? But here he is, here, here's, here's, here's Saul at this point in time. And he says, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. He didn't give him a commission. Over there with the disciples, he gave him a commission. 
Every single last one of the, the Gospels, he gives a commission to the disciples. Some of them even specific with Peter. Mark chapter 16, we see one of them. We see at the end of the book of Matthew, we see one. We see the one at the end of the book of, uh, uh, of Luke, we see one that's there. We see one that's over there in the book of John about what, you know, Peter's supposed to do and what the rest of them are supposed to do. And what do we find here? We find that, that instead of giving that just immediate direct thing, what does he tell him? He says, go in the city and wait. Go in the city and wait. And how, look at how long he waits. Look at how long he waits. It says here in, in verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they let, uh, led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And then he sends some guy Ananias over there who's like, Wait a second, don't you know who that guy is, Lord? And the Lord's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> Just go do it. But it wasn't until after three days. And then we see the commission there. We see what Ananias does. We see that what Ananias tells him. We see all these things that are going to happen to him. But I want you to know that he sat there for three days. And the Lord was preparing his heart. In each one of those cases with Abraham and with Paul, we see that God had done something miraculous in their life, and then he gave them this three-day waiting period and said, I, I, I want you to prepare your heart for during this time. And I want us to think about that for a second. How often are we just led into this impetuous, just instant, you know, if you will, incontinent response? can't control ourselves and we just immediately have to. I'll tell you this, one of the best things you can do is pray about it for three days. And I'm not saying every single thing needs to do that because Nehemiah didn't pray for three days. He probably prayed about three seconds before he answered the king. <laughs> he didn't tell him, he said, give me three days. I don't think that would have flown with the king. The king demands an answer. The king gets an answer. You don't wait three days. And what did he do? He prayed. Peter, as he's thinking, didn't sit there and think, hmm, maybe I should pray about this. Glub, 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 sit at the bottom of the ocean or the, the sea for, for three days. No, he would have drowned within a few minutes. No, he cried out and said, Lord, save me. So there's a discernment that's there. But I dare say, sometimes it may be three days and sometimes it may be whatever, but we should always enter into Whatever it is we're doing in this life on a day-to-day basis, seeking the Lord to prepare our hearts. And that means that we have to be close to the Lord in prayer. We have to be close to the Lord in His Word. We have to be receptive to hearing the Holy Spirit speak to us and know what that means. Because sometimes I say that and some people think, well, it's an audible voice that we're going to hear. No, it's not. It may sound like an audible voice to you, but it doesn't, it's not that way. This is a very clear way that the Lord speaks to us. The Lord shows us. The Lord teaches us. The Lord leads us. The Lord guides us. And trust me, you know the difference when it actually does happen. So when we look at this here, we, we see that all these things were leading to this purpose. Being prepared. Turn over to the book of Second Timothy. <clears throat> Uh, 
Second Timothy chapter two, um, Paul starts talking about the Christian life. He's talking with Timothy, uh, who is uh, got a very great ministry that's in front of him, and uh, him as uh, being pastor of a church and uh, him leading a flock. Um, there's a lot of things that go about doing that um, to be accomplish it according to the Lord's will. But what we see here very clearly is he starts talking about some things that they're supposed to be doing. And in verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. I think that's pretty clear about what the will of God is, isn't it? He knows who you are. He knows whether you're his or whether you're you're not. And very clearly, if you are, as it says here, that nameth the name of Christ, you need to depart from iniquity. shouldn't be part of your business. It shouldn't be part of your job. It shouldn't be part of who you are. It shouldn't be part of you at all. As a matter of fact, Romans 6 says, God forbid. And here he is preparing him, and as you get down a little bit further here, he says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. There's there's vessels of honor in our house, there's vessels of dishonor. I mean, there are vessels that, that hold certain things that are important to us. We have safes to preserve and keep things. We have keepsake boxes. That word keep, again, talking about preserving and protecting that which is in value. Okay? And what happens? We put things that are important to us in a keepsake box. We keep it. It's a, it means something to us. It's important. And so we have a vessel of honor. And we also have a vessel of dishonor. Every last one of us here has a vessel of dishonor in our home. And I think we know which one it is. It goes out with the drop, right? <laughs> it removes those things that we don't need from our life, and need in our life any longer. It takes us away, sends it to a processing plant, where they take it and they squeeze all the water out of it and then put it back in our drinking water. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> hey, go look it up. <laughs> you know, some of us are like, praise Lord, I'm on well water. Well, just guess what's on the surface of that one. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying is we have vessels of honor and dishonor. Your trash can is not a vessel of honor. You wouldn't eat out of it. Some people might. I wouldn't. Yeah, I took microbiology and I'm scared. I wouldn't eat it. I, I value my life. My gut is already sensitive enough as it is. I don't need to be eating something that's going to give me food poisoning. But I want us to understand that, that there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. So how do we know the difference? Verse 21, if a man therefore purge himself from these, what are those things, iniquity, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. And look at this. And prepared unto every good work. You know, a lot of people ask me, well, what does good works mean? Well, I'll tell you this. Before you even understand what good works are and how to do them, you have to make sure you're prepared to do whatever it is the Lord tells you. So you have to make a decision about whether you're going to be a vessel of honor or whether you're going to be a vessel of dishonor. Are you going to be the one that's used to take out the trash? Or are you going to be one that is meant to serve 
one that is meant to keep, one that is meant to preserve, one that is meant to bring honor. And when we think about this, it all starts with preparation. Preparation. Now, it may take three days. It may take longer. I had one person ask me one time, when I was telling them my testimony, they asked me, they said, well, well, how did you know you wanted to be a pastor? I said, well, I didn't. I said, my prayer went like this, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, just not be a pastor. Praise the Lord. Lord, But you know what? You know what that means? That means that I have to rely on him. Faithful is he who calleth me who will also do it. All right? That's what I rely on. That verse right there. That verse. But I'll, I'll tell you this, and then this person's like, wow, that's amazing. So so how long did the Lord work with you? How long did the Lord prepare you? I mean, was it like a couple of years later? And I said, 10 years. The person's face went from to 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Some people, Shorter. Charles Spurgeon was 15 when he got saved, and he was pastoring a church at the age of 16. And you're like, well, that was a different time back then. I don't care. It's still. <laughs> still. I mean, you just think about it. And it wasn't long after Saul, or now Paul went out, and what did he do? He began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ afterwards. But regardless of whatever it is, it's the Lord that prepared the heart. And I want us to think about this tonight. The Lord made it very clear that we're to meditate on this. If we're going to be a vessel that is meat for the Master's use, our Lord and Savior, if our vessel is going to be that way, it's got to be prepared. It's got to be prepared. Hopefully, when you serve food, you wash the bowl before you give it to them. You prepare it, right? If you let the dog lick out of it and then have them eat their soup out of it and then tell them halfway through, somebody might have an issue. Some people don't. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> That's how they prepared their bowl. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, when it comes to it, regardless one way or another, there's a preparation that's made. So I say all of this to get to this point. If we're going to know how to answer, if we're going to know how to do any good work that the Lord is asking us to do, whether it's departing from iniquity, whether it is, um, you know, choosing a, a spouse, whether it is somebody that is trying to decide what they're going to do with their life, whether it's a person that I, I'll just be honest, whether we're going up to a youth retreat, prepare your heart, prepare your heart. I think we often miss miss that part. We don't prepare enough. And the Lord makes it clear that the preparation is with Him. If we are walking so close to the Lord, and we know that difference, being prepared and unprepared, then we will be ready when He's ready to use us. The preparation of the heart is key. 
know what I pray every single Sunday and every single Wednesday and every single Tuesday and every single Friday when we have Bible study or Friday night fellowship? You know what I'm preparing for the youth retreat, praying for the youth retreat? I'm praying that the Lord will prepare the hearts of the people. Mine included. Every last one of us. Now I'll tell you this, as a church, if we are a church that is praying for prepared hearts, the Lord will do a mighty work. The Lord will do the mighty work. He'll work in that heart and he'll prepare it. It'll be ready to receive. It'll be ready to receive Christ, if that's the case. It'll be ready to receive any commission. It'll be ready to receive whatever ministry. It'll be ready to receive whatever good work. It's an open vessel ready for the Lord and His use. Ezra prepared his heart. Abraham's heart was prepared. And so was Paul's. Are we prepared this day? Let's close with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for this time. Thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to just simply look at your word and look at your scripture. And Lord, I pray that this message, as simple as it is, Lord, is one that is one that we would want to meditate on. That we would prepare our hearts as we enter into prayer. We would prepare our hearts as we enter into service. We would prepare our hearts as we come to church. We would prepare our hearts as we study, read, memorize, and meditate upon your word. We prepare our hearts, Lord, as we fellowship together as saints, unified together with the same purpose and the same mind of the same spirit, Lord. And Lord, may we have that vessel ready for your use to carry whatever it is you want us to carry. Whether it's the water of the word of God, whether it's refreshment of comfort for a soul, whether it is a simple correction that is needed, whether it is something, Lord, that is even greater than that. Whatever it is, Lord, may we be ready to receive what you have for us. I thank you again, Lord, for just taking this time to teach us, to guide us, and to instruct us. And I thank you and praise you for all that you've done today. And this I ask in your son's precious name, Jesus Christ. Amen.